God, we thank you for this day that you've given us, and we thank you for this time we have to come together and open your word. I ask that you would open our hearts and speak to us uh, through it today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, just to review, uh, we've been in the series um, on the fear of the Lord. And last week, we looked at six characteristics, just a review, six characteristics of the fear of the Lord. And I'll just read those uh, to you quickly. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, was the first one. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We talked about the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge comes from God's word. Wisdom is knowing is the skill to know how to apply that in life. Um, the fear of the Lord hates evil. It turns from it is number three. Uh, number four is the fear of the Lord produces a strong confidence in God. Um, number five is the fear of the Lord is the source of life. And number six is the fear of the Lord is a source of delight. And so that's what we looked at last week was these characteristics of the fear of the Lord. And we finished off with this, with this statement, is that the fear of the Lord begins with the word of God. If you remember last week, we looked at Psalm 119 uh, several times. We conti- uh, were continually flipping back and forth uh, between where we were and Psalm 119. So the fear of the Lord begins with the word of God. Those who fear the Lord spend time in it, allow it to do, it, do its work in their souls, and stand in awe of what it reveals about our great God. So that's what we left off with um, last week. So this evening we're going to move forward and we're going to look at how do we obtain the fear of the Lord. And I'm going to start with it, read this illustration here to you. On January 24th, 1848, an event occurred in Coloma that would radically impact the history of California and the nation. Immediately, a bunch of you know what this is, where this is going. But uh, James W. Marshall was building a sawmill for Captain John Sutter. Using water from the South Fork of the American River, he noticed several flakes of metal in the tail race water and recognized them to be gold. Though he tried to keep it a secret, the word spread quickly and triggered the California gold rush of 1849. Some 80,000 immigrants poured into California during 1849. And by the 1850s, miners were coming from places all over the world, Britain, Europe, China, Australia, uh, North and South America. Several years ago, our family went on a vacation to Durango, Colorado. And, uh, of course, there's the train that goes between Durango and Silverton, which is a beautiful ride, by the way, if you've never done that. But we went to uh, and did a tour of the little town up there, uh, Silverton. It's Silverton, if you walk around, it's built, it's, it's like a, it looks like an old west town. It's just a square. It's a square with streets that go you know, north and south, east and west. It's just a square. And I picture it like if you've ever seen a western movie or a tombstone. It was a rough place. It was a rough, rough place. But several years ago when we were there, we see this little town. Of course, now it's fueled by tourism. They have abandoned mines that you can a tour, things like that. But it was a mining town is what it was. And this is, people came there, of course, to strike it rich. And they endured all kinds of situations, all kinds of, um, of course, bad weather. You know, when it snows up there in the, in the wintertime, they just close the road, you can't go anywhere. So, I mean, they get snowed in. It's, it's bad, it's bad conditions, tough working uh, conditions. Of course, it's a violent place. Uh, it's the Old West a town that you kind of have probably that you can picture in your head. But why were these people willing to go? 
is they're going and they risked it all, and many of them did die, to become rich. Because there was treasure there. Matthew 13, 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is priceless. The kingdom of heaven is priceless. And so this says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. The guy goes, he finds the treasure, and he sells everything he has. He gives up all that he has, and he's willing to pay any cost. And so, sure enough, it does cost us something to follow Christ, but it's worth the cost according to uh, Scripture. The world seeks after earthly riches, but knowing Christ and seeking him with all your heart results in eternal riches that cannot be taken away. And that's where we'll be looking at and going tonight. Proverbs speaks at length on the priceless value of receiving and knowing wisdom. So tonight we're going to be talking about the fear of the Lord and wisdom together. Um, they, they do go hand in hand. Last week, if you remember, we looked at the fact that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So tonight we will be looking at obtaining this great treasure that is the fear of the Lord um, and wisdom, which is the result of fear of the Lord. So in your Bibles, go to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. And we're going to read the first five verses. Proverbs 2 verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, uh, with you uh, making your ear attentive to wisdom... And inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And so we're going to look at each one of these verses and what it's saying. If we want to, if we want to understand the fear of the Lord, if we want to grow in our knowledge of him, if we want to grow in wisdom, it gives us steps that we can follow in order for this to happen. The first thing that it mentions in verse 1. It says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you. So the first thing is that we, how do you see God's word? How do you see, do you see it as treasure? Are you willing to actually receive it? A lot of times we hear it, it's just in one ear and out the other. We need to hear it and we need to receive it. So we receive his words, treasure his commands you know, rule following goes against our nature, does it not? When somebody tells you, don't do this, what's the first thing you want to do? Do it, right? So don't do this. Well, you know, sometimes, uh, you, of course, our kids, they're the same way. You tell them not to do something, next thing you know, you turn around and that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, that goes against our nature to follow rules. It goes against our nature. We desire freedom and independence. But wisdom teaches us that God's commandments are perfect a treasure intended for our good if we would only seek them. If we really begin to dig into Scripture and see and, and read it and understand the commands of God, we see that they're good. And they're for our good. God wants what's best for us. He knows that when we get outside of the boundaries that are set up in Scripture, it's bad for us and it hurts us. 
It harms us. He's, he's our Heavenly Father who loves us. And so it's intended for our good. And so if we really get into God's Word and dig into it, we will see this. Uh, go back to Psalm 119. We were there a lot last week. We won't be in there very long um, today. But keep this in mind as we read these verses that this first point here that, that is mentioned in Proverbs is to receive my words and treasure my commands. Psalm 119, verse 2. It says, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. See, it's going to talk, Proverbs 119, or not Proverbs, Psalm 119 speaks a lot about giving God your whole heart. That what we do, do it with our whole heart. Uh, go to verse 9, Psalm 119, verse, verses 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let not me wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word, your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So what does God's word consistently in our heart do? Keeps us from sin. Helps us not to sin. Of course, if we're continually putting God's word into our heart, are we going to grow? Yes. Are we going to fear God? Yes. Are we going to grow in wisdom? Yes. And so the psalmist here is saying, I'm putting your word in my heart continually, continuously, so I might not sin against you. Go to verse 34. Psalm 119, verse 34. It says, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Are you seeing that? We're seeing this over and over, my whole heart. Verse 35, lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. We looked last week is how fear of the Lord is a source of delight. Go to verse 97. Verse 97 says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. The psalmist loves God's law, loves the word of God. It says, It's my meditation all the day. Now, meditation is not some weird mystical thing. What is it? It is a contemplating, it's a thinking deeply about God's word. So we read it and we think about it. We don't just read it and put it aside, we think about it. We meditate on it. What does it mean? What is God saying here? And so it says it's the meditation all the day. And if we're continually putting God's word into our hearts, it's going to be on our minds. And so it's something we need to do continuously uh, and do it day uh, day after day. Uh, Verse 103. Verse 103. It says, how sweet are your words... To my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. As we continually put God's word uh, into our heart, it lights the path uh, for our way. Now, it doesn't say it shines a, a, a bright light so you can see 10 years down the road. What does it do? Like if you're walking at night, if you ever, anybody ever hiked at night? It's kind of a fun thing to do. We got up one, we took the youth one time, we took him to, uh, oh goodness, I know this place. I've been there several times. Uh, Amarillo, Kenyon, um, Paladuro, thank you. That slipped my mind there. 
And we, we camped out there. Ronnie was there. And we got up at like 4 a.m., I believe. And our goal was to hike up to the top of the canyon by sunrise. And we made it. Of course, you can't see a whole lot around you, but we had headlamps and flashlights. What can you see? What's right in front of you? It says, this is what God's word does for us, is that you can see each step, step after step after step. And so it, is, it lights our path. And there's a few more there, but I lost my place. Um, verse 127 and 128, Psalm 119. It says, therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Therefore, I consider all your precepts to be right, and I hate every false way. Verse 160. And I love this verse. It says, the sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. It says, the sum of your word, every bit of it is truth. It's truth. It lights our path. He, the, the psalmist delights in it, loves the law of the Lord, understands its purpose, uh, understands it's for his good. Uh, one, verses 162 and 163. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. And then finally, verses 166 and 167. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. So this first point that we saw in Proverbs chapter 2, to receive my words and treasure my commands, did David do this? Did David receive God's words and treasure his commands? He wrote Psalm 119. Yes, he did. Absolutely, David did. And he used this to teach his son Solomon. And so, yes, he did these things. The fear of the Lord begins with a love for, a knowledge of, and obedience to God's word. If we want to fear the Lord, it begins with a love for, a knowledge of, and obedience to God's word. These are all involved in the fear of the Lord. So back to Proverbs uh, chapter 2. The second thing we hear, second step, whatever you want to call it. It says, making your ear attentive to wisdom. So the second thing here is to make your ear attentive to wisdom. This involves actively seeking to really hear God's word. We hear a lot of things, but we're not really good listeners. There's a difference between hearing something and listening. For instance, at home, I hear a lot of stuff, but I'm pretty good at tuning things out. I'm not a very good listener at times. Um, well, a lot of times I just don't hear it. But uh, my wife says I'm going deaf. Some t- that may be half true. <laughs> but, uh, but we're not very good listeners. We hear a lot, but oftentimes we don't listen. Uh, this making your ear attentive to wisdom involves your undivided attention. It involves actively seeking to really hear God's word. Uh, through reading it, hearing it preached... Um, it requires listening not only with our ears, but we have to listen with our hearts. That we have to contemplate it, meditate on it, think about it. What does this mean? What is God saying? What does he desire of me? God's word changes us when it finally moves from our head 
to our heart. Uh, Where does everything we do come from? Our heart. Every word that you say, every every action that you do, it all originates in the heart. And so God's word begins to change us when it's not just head knowledge, but when it moves to our heart and we believe it truly with all that we are. It's easy many times to believe God's word intellectually, but more difficult to believe it with our hearts. It's often in times of of difficulty and testing that this process happens. When something difficult goes on in life or you face a difficult circumstance, oftentimes that's when this head knowledge becomes a heart thing too. Your heart's involved. You've experienced God. Maybe uh, you, you experienced God's provision in a time of need. Maybe you've experienced God's comfort in a time of need. Um, you've experienced God, and so you, when you go to God's word, you say, I know that to be true. I know that to be true. I don't just believe it here. I've experienced that in my heart. And so often in these times of testing, this process happens. The word of God moves from our heads to our hearts in these times. Uh, James, 1, 9, James 1, 19 says this, says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now, we can apply this in a lot of different ways, but in the context here, this verse is talking about trials and temptation. In the context is what it's talking about. It's trials and temptation, the things that we go through. It says, be quick to hear God's word. How do we hear God's word? We have to read it. Again, really hear it. Not just read it and put it away and never think about it again. So be quick to hear God's word. And this would just be a good, this, the next one, slow to speak, that would just help us in everyday life anyways, is that we're slow to speak. And then slow, and then not becoming, and then uh, slow to anger, meaning not becoming angry when God's word reveals things in you. And oftentimes there's ugly things in our hearts, ugly things in our lives. We'll read God's word, and it'll, it'll, it'll show us that, it'll reveal that. It says, in that time, it says, don't be angry. Don't become angry. And we tend to become angry about those things. Jesus quoted Isaiah in Matthew 13, 15. It says, For this people's heart has grown dull. In their ears they can barely hear. In their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand in their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. He's quoting Isaiah, speaking of the nation of Israel. He says, Yes, they have physical eyes. They have physical ears, they have physical mind, and they hear these things, or they, and they see these things, but they didn't understand with their heart. So they saw, but they were blind. They could hear, but they were deaf, and they couldn't understand in their hearts. Jesus said, if they would just turn to me, I would heal them. I would, I would change them. So to grow in the fear of the Lord and in wisdom, we must make our ear attentive and really listen to God's word. That we really listen, not just read it, check it off your box, and put it away for the day. So we spend time, we think about it. Think about what it means. Uh, the second, next thing is in Proverbs 2. It's the second part of verse 2. So we, said, we just talked about making your ear attentive to wisdom. The next thing is inclining your heart to understanding. Incline your heart to understanding. This is the very practical very simple, yet at the same time, a very difficult thing to do. 
Again, it's when we know what the right thing to do is, but sometimes we just don't want to do it. Knowing the right thing to do, and we choose not to. Again, it's very simple. There's a lot of things in God's word. You can't really take it or interpret it any other way. I mean, it's very clear. It's very plain. And God says, do things this way. And we say, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I don't like that. And there's a lot of things we may read in the Bible that we don't particularly like. Too bad. God said so. God said it. He's the ultimate authority. And so, but it's a, so it's a hard thing. It's a simple thing to do, but it's a hard thing to do because we have to submit to God. We have to obey what he's called us to do. So this is simply taking God's word that you hear, uh, taking what you hear in God's word and putting it into practice. So we incline our heart to understanding. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We're real good oftentimes at hearing. Well, let me just speak about myself here. At hearing, but I'm not real good at doing. I hear it. I understand it. Now it's the doing part that can be difficult. The doing part is hard. And so be doers of the word, not hearers only. It says deceiving yourselves. We're really good at rationalizing why we shouldn't listen and obey. We deceive ourselves saying, I'm okay. That doesn't apply to me. Surely God doesn't mean that for me. That this deal, it's really not a big deal. God doesn't really care. And we're really good at rationalizing why we shouldn't do what God's word says. And we deceive ourselves. We hear it, don't think it applies to us, and we rationalize away why it's not a big deal. But to grow in the fear of the Lord and, and in wisdom, we must put these things that we know to be true from God's word into practice. If you truly understand, you truly have understanding, incline your heart to understanding, you will put those things into practice. The, the, what you know to be true of God, what you know to be true of his word, putting those things into practice. Uh, the fourth thing. The fourth thing. Chapter 2, verse 3. It says, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. So the fourth thing we are to do. It's to call out for insight. Raise your voice for understanding. Pray and ask God for insight, guidance, and understanding. James 1 teaches that if anyone lacks wisdom, let him, ask, let him ask God who gives generously. If you lack wisdom, if you need insight, if you need guidance, if you need discernment, ask God. It's the first place we go. God, would you help me to understand this? Would you help me to understand what's going on in my life? Would you, would you give me discernment on what to do and, and, you know, whatever the situation may be? God, would you show me what you would have me do? And we go into his word and we listen to it and we allow him to speak to us. And we call out for insight. We raise our voice for understanding, asking God. This requires dependence on the Holy Spirit. Discernment, guidance. All these things come from the indwelling Holy Spirit inside of us. This is how this God leads us and guides us through his word and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. So, again, you're never going to hear an audible voice from God. He doesn't speak to us that way anymore. If somebody wakes up and says, oh, I had a dream and a revelation from God, go ahead and just tune them out. 
Because they were, they're, what they're saying, if they, if they have a special revelation from God, they're saying that's on par with Scripture, and it's not. God speaks to us through his word, and he uses the Holy Spirit to help us as we read to understand it. So the Holy Spirit plays an important role in the lives of believers. He's the one who gives the power to live for Christ. Um, so let's look at the role of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. And we'll go through these uh, fairly quickly. But Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Of course, praise God for the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Because in the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, what did the Holy Spirit do? It came and went. It would come upon, it would come upon like Samson, for instance. It would come upon, uh, come upon Samson, and then he would be able uh, you know, to kill a thousand Philistines. You know, the Holy Spirit would come, and he would go. He empowered people to do things, but then he would go. Uh, we have the Holy Spirit all the time. And dwelling in us. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, this is when Jesus was taken to the wilderness to be tempted. And it says, Then Jesus was led, led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So we see that Jesus was led by the Spirit. The Spirit knew where, uh, knew the will, knows the will of God. And it was God's will that Jesus would go through this, uh, this time of temptation. And the Spirit led him there. Matthew chapter 10. And again, we're not going to have time to look through all the, the, uh, the context of all this. So we're just going through quickly here. But Matthew chapter 10, verse 18. Actually, we'll start in verse 17. It says, Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to, be, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you speak or what you are to say. For what you are, uh, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. So what we see here is the Spirit speaks through us and teaches us what to say. Have you ever been in a situation where, God's, where you're speaking to somebody and you just happen to have the words to say in the moment? That's one thing the Holy Spirit does for us. And again, if we never put God's word in our heart, you're not going to magically have any words. What words do we speak? The words of truth that come from God's word, they're going to come from what is stored up inside. So we never store God's word in our heart. Those words are not there. The Holy Spirit gives us the words to speak in those, in those moments. And the great thing is, when you think about, oftentimes we, many people fear sharing the gospel with others. The great thing about it is it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with God. So sometimes a pastor could get up and he could give the best sermon ever. And nobody, nobody responds. Another guy could get up and, and butcher the whole thing. And the masses come and get saved. Why? Because it has nothing to do with the speaker. It has, to do everything to, it has everything to do with God and the Holy Spirit at work. And so if God's at work, if God is, if, if, uh, God is moving and the Holy Spirit is convicting, uh, it, and it's, he, maybe he's using you to do so, uh, that is the work of the Spirit. So it takes the pressure off. It takes the pressure off. What are we supposed to do? Be obedient. 
The results are up to him. The results are up to him. And so if the Holy Spirit is not working in somebody's life, it doesn't matter. You could, you could set forth an ironclad case for why they should be saved, why they should come to Christ. If the Holy Spirit's not at work, nothing's going to happen because it's a Holy Spirit thing. It's a God thing. And so the fact that you know Christ in here is a miracle that God has changed you, that he spoke to you. The Holy Spirit worked in you, convicted you of your need of a Savior, and you came to him by faith. That is a work of God, and it has nothing to do with you, nothing to do with me. And what a great thing is that God gets all the glory for that. So when you, when you, when you witness to somebody, and maybe you lead somebody to Christ, you didn't save them. God did. You just got the blessing of getting to be a part of it. And so even if you speak to somebody and they don't respond now, we don't know what's going to happen 20 years from now. Somebody may speak to them 20 years from now, and they come to know the Lord then. Well, you had a part in that 20 years before. So we're to be obedient, but it's the Holy Spirit. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, John chapter 6. But it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be able to do that. John chapter 6. Verse 63. John chapter 6, verse 63. So it, is the, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh has no help at all. There is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. This is Jesus speaking. But he said, it is the spirit who gives life. We just talked about that a minute ago. But when we come to know Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us, bringing life to those who are formerly dead. Formerly, formerly, formerly dead. So we were dead spiritually. And then the Holy Spirit comes and breathes life into your dead soul. And you become alive spiritually. That is a work of God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 17. I, I'm going to start in verse um, 16, actually. It says, And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper uh, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells in you, or dwells with you, and will be in you. So he was not in them at that moment. But when the, when the Holy Spirit was given, when the helper came, they were indwelled with the Holy Spirit at that time. And every believer since is indwelled by the Holy Spirit from the time they are saved. So what we see, what Jesus was teaching here is that the Spirit dwells inside of us. We have the power of God dwelling inside of us. And it is the power of God that, that helps us and empowers us to live a godly life that leads us, as we, that gives us the ability to understand his word, that leads us and guides us and directs us uh, through the indwelling Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 26. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you, bring to your remembrance all that I have said. So there's the Holy Spirit who brings things to mind. 
So again, if we're storing God's word in our heart, the Holy Spirit can bring those, brings those things to mind. And so it says, he will teach you all things. So he's a teacher, teaches us truth, and will bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. It brings to remembrance things that, uh, in, in certain situations that we needed in that moment, he will bring those things to mind um, at, those, at the right times. So Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So the Spirit, the Spirit gives power to complete the task of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. It is the Spirit of God that empowers that. It makes that happen. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And so what we see here is the Holy Spirit is evidence that we belong to God. If you have the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of you, it means you are a child of God. And then in chapter 8 of Romans, go to verse 26. 26 and 27. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness. For we do not know what, uh, what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Have you ever had those times in your life where you know you need to pray, you want to pray, but you don't know how? You don't know how to pray. You don't know what, what to say. It says this is where the Holy Spirit comes in and helps. It intercedes with groanings that are too deep for words. It says he intercedes with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts, what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit knows the will of God, and it intercedes. And how this works and how this looks, I don't know. But with groans and, and things that we can't even, we can't even uh, put into words. And it prays and helps us pray according to the will of God. God loves us. He gives us a spirit, and the spirit knows the mind of God, and the spirit knows what we need even when we can't verbalize it. And it prays and it intercedes on our behalf. And finally, in Galatians, Galatians chapter 2. Verses 22 and 23. Oh, did I say two? I meant five. Chapter five. I was like, yeah, that's not right. Uh, chapter five, verse 22 through 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. What does the Spirit do? It produces these things. 
these things, if you look at those, uh, they don't come natural to most of us. Again, <laughs> love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Uh, we struggle in these areas. Our natural, in our natural state, we, we don't have these things. We don't have these qualities. But these are something that the Holy Spirit inside of us produces. Again, if you see a person who has the fruit of the Spirit and it's evident in their life, they're different, are they not? They look different than the world. The Holy Spirit is, has, been, has been at work and is changing and producing this spiritual fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, in them. So the question is, do you have the Spirit in you? Are you being led by the Spirit? Um, if you desire to fear the Lord and have wisdom, you must be led by the Spirit. People who do not have the Spirit of God in their hearts cannot fear the Lord, and they lack godly wisdom. So when it comes to seeking counsel, seeking advice, maybe you're, you're trying to make a decision. Seek out somebody who knows God. Seek out somebody who fears God. Speak, seek out somebody who God is at work in. Because the world doesn't have that. The world doesn't have, does not have godly wisdom. The world does not have that. They do not fear the Lord. They're going to tell you what the world's opinion is. They're going to tell you what the world says you should do. They're going to tell you what God would have you do. Or help lead you in that direction. I guess I should say it that way. Uh, but seek out. We've got, be, we got to think about who do we go to for counsel? First place is God. And then, if we're, and then again, I know our pastor, he spends a lot of time talking to people all week. Helping people. Giving them godly advice from God's word. That is the, those are the people we need to seek out uh, it, it, uh, to help us uh, when we need it. Because people who don't have the spirit of God... They cannot fear the Lord, and they lack godly wisdom. So cry out for insight, discernment, and understanding, and God will give it to you. So we cry out for it. Ask God for it. And finally, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 4. The last thing we are to do. It says, if you seek it like silver and search for it as, as for hidden treasures. So we are to seek it like silver, and search for it as hidden treasures. There are no shortcuts when it comes to knowing God more and growing to fear him. Growing in wisdom, there are no shortcuts. God reveals more of himself to us when we seek and search for him as hidden treasure. So again, how do you see God? How do you see his word? Do you see it as treasure? Or is it just some words that are on a page that don't really mean a whole lot in my life? If that's how you see it, God's not going to reveal more of himself to you. He says you have to seek it as if it was hidden treasure. So how do you see God's word? God reveals more of himself to us as we seek and search for him as hidden treasure. It takes digging. It takes pushing into the word of God. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, But uh, from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search for, after him with all your heart and with all your soul. So we are to seek God with all of our heart and all of our soul. It says you will seek him. It says you will find him. I guess he will find you um, if you seek for him 
with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This is how we come to know God more. This is how he reveals more of himself to us, is when we seek him with all our heart. So verse 5 Verse 5 says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So verse 5 says that when we treasure God's commands, we make our ears attentive, when we incline our hearts to understanding, when we call out and raise our voice for understanding, and seek and search God's word as if it was hidden treasure, it says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. It takes diligence it takes digging. It takes thinking. It takes meditating. It, thinks, it takes desire to know God. It says, if we do these things, it says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and have the knowledge of God. These five verses tell us how to understand the fear of the Lord. But why is this so important? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And these go hand in hand. It takes wisdom. It is wisdom that keeps us from sin. If we continue on in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. So it says in verse 5, Then you understand the fear of the Lord to find the knowledge of God. Then verse 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity in every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard, uh, will guard you. Delivering you from the way of the evil. From men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be, so you'll be delivered from the forbidden woman. The, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of good and keep the paths of righteous. For the upright, upright will inhabit uh, the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. You see, when we do these five things that we talked about, God gives wisdom. God gives knowledge. We understand the fear of the Lord. It protects us from sin. If you read in verse 10, it says, Wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. It's pleasant. God's word is, it will become pleasant to us when we do these things. So these things, these five things we read in, in uh, those first five verses... The first four verses uh, tell us how to obtain and understand the fear of the Lord and wisdom. So to wrap this up, is how bad do you want to know God? Are you willing to diligently seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul? Because if you truly want to know God, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take diligence. It's going to take um, all of your heart and all of your soul searching for him. Do you treasure his word? Do you see his word? Do you see God as treasure? 
in your seeking and searching, are you relying on the Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth? The Holy Spirit plays a major part in this. Holy Spirit plays a major part in understanding God's word when we read it. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us understand it. That reveals things about us that we need. Maybe there's things we need to repent of. Maybe there's things we ought to be doing. But it's the Holy Spirit who speaks to us through God's word. And so are you relying on the Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth? As you seek him. So have you ever lost anything? Just lost anything in your house? And you tore, I mean, you, you left no stone unturned. You tore the house apart looking for it. Anybody ever done that? Car keys? phone um maybe something else i don't know but whatever it is um we've all done that and i and when when we finally find it where is it usually at it's right there it's either in your hand first of all you ever done that looking all over for your keys and they're in your hand you ever done that um or it's in your hat or it's right there in front of you it's a plain sight it's right there Seeking and searching God is is similar. When we begin to seek him and search for him, he promises that you will find him. And what you'll actually find is that he's been there all along in plain sight. You just weren't looking for him. And so we need to be looking for God. We need to be seeking him, searching for him. And what he promises is that he will reveal more of himself to you, that you will find him. So it's up, to, it's up to each one of us. You have to decide, am I willing to be diligent? Am I, do, how do I see God? Do I see him as hidden treasure? Am I willing to, to seek for him and search him out? Call out and cry out for wisdom. Seek him with all of my heart and with all of my soul. And if you do that, you will grow in the fear of the Lord. You will grow in wisdom. You'll grow in your knowledge of who God is. And he'll reveal more of himself to you. But... You can't just go to bed, lay your head on the Bible, and hope that you soak it up that way. You have to read it. You have to spend time in it. And some things that you read in Scripture are very hard and very difficult. So don't say, well, I'll never read this again. Think through it. Read it again. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you, and he will. It's gonna take, it takes diligence. So, again, how bad do you want to know God? Are you willing to diligently seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul? If you will do that, you will grow in the fear of the Lord and wisdom and the knowledge of God. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for the stage you've given us. Again, I thank you for this time we have together. Lord, I pray that you would help us, that you give us, uh, that we see you properly, that we see you as hidden treasure, that we see, that we see your word as priceless, that we would love it, uh, that we would be diligent, in our seeking of you, that you would reveal more of yourself to us. Lord, I pray that each one of us in here would grow as we, as we search, for, search your word, as we spend time in it, as we think about it, as we rely on the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, I ask that you'd help each one of us in here to grow in the fear of the Lord, grow in the knowledge of God, grow in our wisdom. Uh, Lord, that our lives would look different, that our lives would look different, that as we do this, you would change us and make us more like you. That is the, that I know, we know that that is your ultimate goal for us. Um, is that we would become more and more like you. So, God, I pray that you would work in us and through us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.